Well, no, I'm not rushing about at all. Whatever would give you that idea. Uh, welcome to 100, episode 167 at Mighty White's podcast. Uh, to give this one a Simpsons title of Hey Wolves, it's no use praying. I already did the same thing and we can't both win. Um, how's things, Casey? Yeah, pretty good. Solid start to the season. It's sunny. It can only go downhill from here. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's what we'll get straight into. 2-1 win against Wolves on the opening day of the season. I mean, you can't really be anything other than delighted with a result like that. In, in theory, that, that was that's, that's how I should feel. What I did feel was frustration that for the last 25 minutes, I ended up watching either Bournemouth versus Aston Villa on Nottingham Forest versus Newcastle. Uh, because every stream seemed to switch over to those two games for some reason. Was that at least after the goal? No. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, you, you know so, what the are saying. So, in, 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 in an odd way, because of uh, Soccer Saturday on, when we went in front, the, I did for a second go, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> like, and then... Yay, but come on. Well, Willa, when when we talk about the winning goal, I'll just I, I dare say I'll just get you to shut the fuck up for me. <laughs> I, I mean, I have seen it. I, I have since watched the highlights. Yeah, um, yeah, it was an interesting one. Leeds, I mean, Leeds started the better of the two sides, and to be honest, for the whole first half, I think were like we we looked a lot better than them, but we looked vulnerable on the break, which is pretty much what we expected. But it didn't take very long for uh, you to get your usual doubts when it comes to Leeds United. In fact, it was about five, five and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean, colossal winger that Pedro Neto is sending Christensen yeah. for a for a hot dog there. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, it didn't do Rasmus Christensen's our new big ass Scandinavian bastard image. <laughs> Uh, a lot of good did it when Pedro Neto, who's what, like what, five eight, yeah, and and not exactly a tank of a five eight. Is here's a reference for people. He's not exactly Tomo Hero Ishii, is it? No. <laughs> um. So yeah, when you when you're watching that five minutes into a game, going, uh, I think we need a new right back. Yeah. This one, this one we bought is broken. So yeah, ball over top in behind the fullback, which is their thing. In the first half and in the second half, they played that long diagonal a few times and it did cause us serious problems. Uh, but yeah, 50-50 ball. Neto sends Christensen flying. Good crossed at far post. Huang Hee-Chang completely unmarked. Knocks it down. Daniel Pedence is getting no credit. Completely miskicks his finish. Volleys it into the floor and it sort of loops up and over Melier and I think went in off the bar in the end. Yeah, I don't know if he actually got fingertip to it as well. Like it was, it was very close. Um, as as soon as as soon as Neto had cut back inside, you could have almost, you could have almost paused the, you know, just paused the live action and just gone, right. Here's what's going to happen now. And apart from the hitting the ball into the ground, you'd have called it exactly as it was, because all of a sudden we were we were all over the place. And just sort of scrambling to recover, which I, which clearly we did not do. Yeah, it was um, a, it was a real worry, and it did sort of take a bit. Of the, it took the atmosphere out of it, but not for very long. We sort of it, the crowd was a bit last season about it at first. They rallied quite quickly, and uh, I'm not sure exactly how long after, but it was at one nil down. Uh, Leeds got a free kick about thirty yards out. Nicely clips of a back post. Rasmus Christensen gets up well, heads it across, and is absolutely flattened by Jose Sarr. <laughs> like, he is assaulted by Jose Sarr, is what happened. Yeah. And comes you know what? flying out. The keeper is completely within his rights to come flying out for that ball, provided he gets something on it, mm. which he didn't. And he, he body checks him while flying and also smacks him upside the head. With sort of Oops, what I'd describe as a weak, a weak clothesline. Uh, I, I thought it was a, a, a weak forearm strike, but yeah, um, 
in the whole thing as well, you, you can't have a go at Jose Sarr for the way he went for the ball. His eye was on the ball the whole time. And he, and he does make a, a fair attempt to go for it, but he's clearly beaten to it mm. and just absolutely clatters Christensen, who at this point, I assume when he was on the ground, was just saying, my eye, I'm not supposed to get elbows in my eye. Yeah. Well, uh, I just knew he'd lay about on the floor because Pedro Neto had already proved that he's a soft bastard. <laughs> uh, but it was one of those where again he's just staring at it going like no I mean are we playing on did we get the advantage from this yeah no. like, it was a weird okay. one it, it, it was weird in the ground because only about half the people saw it because obviously the header goes it towards goal and like almost mm. into the six yard box I happened to see it but for instance my dad next to me his eyes went with the ball yeah. So he never saw it happen. And that it was a roughly 50-50 split. Like if you were in the South Stand, everyone will have seen it. But from is it was weird. So everyone was going what because half the people were going absolutely mental and the other half w- could couldn't tell why. But I thought once once it didn't, you know, it was never sent the ref was never sent to the screen. By the way, I believe the VAR was Jared Gillett, who was the same VAR that didn't I think re- we spoke, did we speak about him last time? Yeah, who was the really highly rated Australian ref who looked really good at first and has learned a load of bad habits from English we really, We've really brought him down to our. I think one of the first. I think one of the first things I, I tweeted during the game was, "Well, if you let the quote unquote best referees retire and you replace them with the shit from the championship, this is what's going to happen." Well, so, I mean, someone might be able to correct me on this, but I'm fairly sure Jared Gillett was the VAR when Dan James didn't get that penalty at Newcastle. Hmm. Or, yeah, because uh, I couldn't remember which way around it was, whether it was Mike Dean VAR and Gillett refing or Gillett VAR. Mike, but it was definitely Gillett because he didn't get his first game till later in the season. Um, So, yeah, absolutely blatant penalty. I put out on our Twitter as well as messaging like you and a couple of other people, hey, TV people, was that as blatant a pen as it looked? And, oh, yeah. And pretty, even the Man United fan reluctantly agreed that it was a penalty. I did see a lot of that all over Twitter. Well, he's only got eyes for the ball. Yes, which makes it not violent conduct. It just makes it a standard foul. <laughs> yeah, it's a genuine attempt for the ball. Like, yeah, yeah doesn't and it, and doesn't make it not. By the way, just with regards to was well, Jason Middleton saying Wolves score some fluky goals against us. The deflection off Phillips's boot, the Traore shot that hit the bar and went in off Melier's back. Yeah, they do. They do score some really fucking fluky goals against us. Uh, and but then, luckily, Leeds United got their own sort of fluky goal. Uh, Leeds go to play through ball. It's over hit. But this is very much a Jesse Marsh goal, in theory. We played a through ball into that quote-unquote zone 13, as they call it, going in at the edge of the box through the middle. It's over hit. But as soon as the Wolves defender's up on it, Brendan Aronson is harrying him like fuck. Loads of pressure, gets a toe on it, gets another toe on it. He does get away, but then Jack Harrison's in. Two challenges, bounced off him to Rodrigo. Really good drop of the shoulder to beat Neves. And a well-struck shot. And Jose Sarr just sort of gets out of the way and sticks his hand out. Uh, yeah, I, I think Jose Sarr would want another crack at that one if he if he could. Uh, he ain't having any more cracks at anyone. He nearly killed that poor boy. <laughs> that poor soft right back. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's one of those where I can only imagine the amount of people screaming at Rodrigo at that point, square it. Yeah. Because um, I think you had Bamford around the back, but whether you could have actually got it to him, I, d- I don't know. But I d- judging by, one, his position, and two, people's faith in him, uh, despite his definite hat-trick against a mm. serious Italian opposition the, the previous weekend. Um, but yeah, fantastic. I don't know how it went in. I don't know how yeah, it he was, doesn't save it. Yeah, it it goes the right way and everything. It's, and it, it's not a big gap at the front post. No, I am in no way someone who knows a lot about goalkeeping, but it just seems to me like that save was 10 times easier if you go with your feet. Hmm. Like if he just he could just stick it up, just stick his foot out, and it just goes flying off for a throwing out of the corner. But he tries to get down, and it just don't work. 
Uh, rest at half goes on. Leeds do look the better side, but vulnerable on the break. And then right at the end, Wolves had a great one-on-one chance right at the end of the first half. Little ball into middle in a knockdown. There's a Melier comes out and makes a fantastic save. And we may as well just talk about it now before we get into the second half. All the way through the game, Melier had a very good game. Yeah, very good in, in that instance of just making himself big in, in cricketing terms, set out his long barrier, um, which with legs as long as his, it's a bloody long barrier. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. He, he's brilliant. If, if we have a halfway competent defence this season, like he'll grow leaps and bounds. I feel yeah. because you look at the saves he, he has the ability to pull off. He, he, I think he commands his area fairly well. Um, you know, obviously with his feet, it's it's fine. Just his decision making at times. Um, but no, if he if he's got a better level of protection than what he did last season, I think he can have a very good season. Yeah, I mean he's he's a really good goalkeeper, and it'd be. He'd be better in a better side. Because one that thing that he's already in the top 50 for goalkeeper saves in the Premier League. Something definitely. Having played two seasons in a game. Well, um, 74 appearances or something like that. It's... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that he was very good. I thought him and Aronson were the two best players on the pitch. If you were just looking at the first 45, Rocker as well, but he dropped off in the second half. Yeah, um, that's probably about right. You were talking about the defence in front of him and how, obviously, we did give away chances. And I think the way we are currently set up, we would give away some chances on the break if you had four really top-quality defenders. Mm. Uh, But how did you think the defence got on? Because I thought that they were overall not... (laughs) They were overall pretty good, I thought. it was. I, I don't think any of the goals were like, the defender not playing well, it just seemed like there's holes in the system and they exploited them. Yeah, it's kind of exploiting the weaknesses that we are all aware of already. Mm. Um, and, and depending on where the fullback is, especially when they're playing those diagonals in behind, you know, in our case, I don't think you could legislate for Christensen being, or Christensen being put on his ass like he was for that first goal. Um, but, you know, at times that is going to drag a central defender out and, and create a gap in the middle. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think we need to get used to that happening at times. It's just part of the way we play. That That's going to happen if, if teams can get that ball in behind. But um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember if we had any Diego Llorente suicidal defensive moments, but... There was a couple of apologies if that's coming through. Uh, my daughter appears to have woke up. Um, the there was a couple of moments that weren't great. His most mental moment was in the build up to the Bamford chance in the second half when he came running out of defence and beat four players. But he uh, kept which, it, so it totally which was really excellent. <laughs> it was brilliant play because it went well. If he um, loses it, oh. No. Like, um, defensively, obviously, we've had his jokes about Christensen on the goal. That wasn't good. But he also made an absolute worldie of a goal-saving tackle in the second half. Yeah. So, so he's, yeah. Got, he's got his status back. He's fine. Fair enough. And defensively, I thought Pascal Strauch was very good. Uh, the issue with Strauch at left-back was there's a few times, especially in the first half, where he got the ball in quite a good position. You know, sort of 30 yards out, a couple of options in front of him. And you can tell he's he's taken the coaching on board. He was looking for the correct pass. He's just a centre back, and he just isn't comfortable. Uh, yeah, I, I, I found watching him, and I, I don't know. It's a very select amount of appearances to choose from for him at left back, but he's. I feel like he's almost better getting on the ball once he's in their half. Like I, I, I think. It almost suits him. His skill set is more suited to, to getting it there where. Because um, I think, he, you know, he's got the athleticism, which you sort of forget about when you look at someone his size. Like, I think he's got the ability to get up and down. And I think he can 
his short passing is all right, and I think he can put in a, a half decent cross. Mm-hmm. I think it's the decision making and it's almost the, the central midfield ability that he doesn't quite have yeah. at left back, like when he's sort of in our you know our defensive third and sort of entering the middle third is I think that's sort of where he struggles a bit more. Yeah. So yeah, that that was the first half from goalkeeper and defence. Second half, for twenty minutes, I'm not sure we touched the ball. <laughs> no, when um <laughs> when the first substitutions were made, I, I wasn't entirely surprised that it would. I thought it was either going to be Bamford or Rodrigo, just because we needed to get another body into into midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, there's every now and again they they. Took you know they took the ball, turned, looked up, and there was not really anyone there, or they were closed down very quickly. Yeah, the um, I mean, I must like I said after the goal, the crowd didn't turn. In that twenty minutes, the crowd was starting to turn a little bit because it was four twenty. It was really poor. Like I don't think I think it actually came across worse in the stadium than it did on TV, based on the reaction I've seen on Twitter and stuff. Because I saw like the. The uh, a lot of the shows that I listened to where people were watching on telly were talking about Leeds's really good second half performance, mm. and everyone who was at the ground was like, "What game were you watching?" But it was a weird one. The good thing was, and this is a massive tick in the Jesse Marsh column, it wasn't working. Maybe he left it five minutes longer than he should have, but we won the game, so I'm not worrying about that. He could see, but we couldn't get the ball. We weren't able to keep hold of it. We weren't able to get the ball through the middle anymore. Took off Rodrigo, who had had a pretty good first half, brought on Mateus Click, and that made a massive, massive difference. Mm. Interesting as well, given the the talks of, of Click leaving, that he was the, the first one coming on. Um, I suppose it makes, makes sense that in that situation that you need and someone with a bit of experience and not a cooler head will be in that stadium than Matthias Klick, who at times plays like he doesn't actually give a fuck. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Now this is pretty much, I can, I, you know, I'm blaming Matthias Klick. He came on and the streams changed is what I'm saying. Oh, he came on the stream streams changed. Ergo, it's his fault. Yeah, because um, as we know, correlation does equal causation. Exactly. Um, so it was at this point um, I was scrambling, scrambling looking for a stream and just did not find one. Yeah. So uh, I, I had to rely on match of the day to, to fill in the blanks here. Yeah. I just knew that definitely Brendan Aronson scored. Yeah. Well, we'll go into that now. Leeds had not played a single good bit of football in the second half. And Click came on and we started to actually be able to get possession a little bit. We still weren't playing good stuff, but we managed to get possession. Um, and then it was down the left. I think it was Strauch into Sam Greenwood, who had come on by this at this point for Rocker. Uh, in, inside ball to Ad, was it inside to Adams, Adams to Click, Click through for Bamford, who's just onside. Really good ball across. And yeah, Brendan Aronson in the middle to finish superbly. Uh Really good bit of football. Like, free... Again, the thing that... When Marsh's football works well, this is what it is. Three quick forward passes. And you're in. And that's the thing that, when it works, is very, very good. Uh, And, I mean, I must admit, I was delighted for Aronson getting his first goal. And then, even when it turned out... Like, I have now Sivarivli, let's say, it was an own goal. But... You would have never known that. But it's where 20 years ago that had been his goal because it had been not HD cameras, that had just been D. Yeah. And that in D, it was his goal. <laughs> yeah. And in the stadium, there was nobody trying to take it off him, that's for sure. But yeah, uh, really good goal. And it was just... It's so weird to say about the opening game of the season, but I actually think it, it, that that was a really big moment in the season. <laughs> Already, like I was saying on the last podcast about how we have kind fixtures at the start, we mm. need to get some points early. Again, like this, I think reasonably before the game, 
if if we were drawing this, if we'd have ended up drawing, or if someone had offered you one all draw before kickoff, you go, you, you know what? All right, it. I, I don't think Wolves are better than they were last season, but this season we are probably aiming to be around where Wolves will end up. Mm. I, I imagine. Um, so if you went into this, got a, got a point from them. And then got a win from Southampton. Yeah, it's, it's four points from your first two. I'd take it. But I, th- I think the issue was getting the goal, playing some nice football. And, and, and I thought we... I, th- I thought without... I th- the way we attacked in the first half, I, I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10. I thought we pressed quite well, but I thought we were in the ascendancy for the most part. Mm. And then that's followed by the the 20, 25 minutes of the second half, which I think could potentially bring back all the jitters of the back end of last season. Mm. Um, and to be honest with how that went, if a goal would have come from them, it would it would have shocked you. So the, the fact we kind no, of, I mean, the fact we that kind of weathered the storm, I think was, was the impressive part. Yeah, in that run, they did have a couple of chances, a couple of breaks. I think... Was their header that Melier tipped over? That was at one-one as well, I think. Yeah, it, it it was a they really could have had some, but after that, Leeds got some confidence. And although Wolves were throwing stuff forward, like the big the big chance after that was the Bamford header. Uh, again, that came, uh, Diego Uente makes a great run out from centre back. Maybe not the best time to do it at two-one up, and it was a bit risky. But if you pull it off, you pull it off. Did really well. Good ball inside. Out to Jack Harrison. Jack Harrison, who created like I think it was seven or eight chances in that game, which was really weird because I genuinely don't think he was very good in the first half. But in the second half, he was really good. But like for instance, the goal counts as his assist, but it was really just hurrying and getting a block in. Yeah, whereas he was a bit slow sometimes in some situations, but it still wasn't bad by any means. It was still fine. Um. But yeah, the Bamford chance from Harrison's cross, which was a great cross. Uh, he had one right at the end of the first half as well, but no one got on the end of. But as good a save as it is from Jose San, it is a really good save. That's one where Bamford will really think he should have scored. Yeah. Um, the the hope is that it's it's still getting his match sharpness back and and getting his eye in a bit. Because as, as nice as it was getting the the goals against Cagliari. Um, again, the Premier League is uh, a slight step up from that one. But because I think there was it, there was in the first half as well. I think it's from a Harrison cross. Rodrigo goes into the front post. Bamford goes into the back post, and neither one of them can reach it. And there's there's part of you thinking like, oh, if this was two months into the season, as as Bamford read that a second earlier, and is he getting on the end of that? But. Um, you know, the hope with Bamford is that it doesn't take him too long to, to get a goal and it sort of settles him down. Yeah, the other Bamford thing to talk about that I forgot about was there was a breakdown in play where basically Wolves made a mess of it and Bamford gets sent through. I think clicks in the middle on that and he just passed it straight to the defender. Hmm. It was a really good chance. But that came about five minutes after everyone in the stand was saying he looks absolutely exhausted and we should be taking him off. Yeah. So he still was useful, but he was he was knackered at the end because he isn't fully sharp. Um. So yeah, Leeds then see it out. It's a bit nervy, but it. I think if you were watching it as a neutral, you wouldn't have been watching it thinking Leeds are going to concede any second. As a Leeds fan in the ground, there was a bit of your brain doing that, just thinking we can concede at any possible second. Yeah, just stress and nerves. But also, we've talked about the defenders and the goalkeeper. We should talk about them further forward. Uh, like Jesse do again has dropped in. Click getting all the plaudits we have no issue with. But uh, Greenwood's contribution has been a bit overlooked. And yeah, I thought Greenwood was good when he came on. He also immediately came on and started taking set pieces and there was a noticeable uptick in how good the set pieces were. Yeah, uh, but... he, he was another one that reading about it was... Because again, that's that's the kind of thing you miss from the highlights is is yeah. the work that goes on, especially from central midfielders. But it, it's so nice that in the space of... Basically... It, it's two Premier League games, and, and Sam Greenwood has established himself as a decent Premier League central midfielder now. Yeah, that, which is, that which young is not what I thought. Was gonna, yeah, it's, it's not what I thought was going to happen pre pre Brentford game. So you know, 
Um, but it's it's great that we again we have another option there. It's it, it again probably wouldn't be the first person I'd be going to if I was looking for a central midfielder, but his his versatility is is fantastic. Yeah. So Greenwood and Click were both good off the bench. I thought Tyler Adams had a had a really good game. Not it, again. He wasn't massively there on the ball, but he was always in the right positions. He just kept getting himself about, kept chasing everything. That thing that I said about he'll be best in games where we have less possession. Well, I think in this one we had about forty percent possession, and therefore he had a really good game. It is yeah. not. I was not at all surprised to see it be set like that. And Mark Locker in the second half wasn't great and looked knackered after about an hour. But in the first half, I thought it was very, very good. And uh, disappointing in not getting booked. Yeah, uh, well, well, I might as well bring that up now. So, yeah, in terms of our betting tips, Mark Locker to get a card, which I said was 3-1, to one, and I did send you a screenshot that it was actually found at 100-30 to 30 later. Didn't win. Your Christensen to get the first goal. I mean, he was sort of responsible for it. Yeah. Uh, Basically, an said, assist. Which at the time you said was 18 to 1, but I later found it 33 to 1. But finding that value doesn't matter when they both get beat. So both of us are down 10 pounds. Yep. However, in our standard points system, 1 0 win for me, 2 points. 2 1 win for KC, 5 points. Yes. So you do win. Yeah. Neither of us get. Uh, but speaking of the uh, well, actually, which order should I do it? Should probably do that first. Well, you don't need to win money on Mark Rocker when you can win money on Leeds United's under 21s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I suppose before we go into this, I think the, I don't know if you want to talk about um, Wolves's time wasting tactics and the Bruno Large Jesse, Jesse Marsh. Uh, yeah, I suppose we should have because we won. It sort of don't matter, so I forgot that. In the same way that if we hadn't won this game, I would be so fuming about that penalty decision. Yeah. They were... I mean, put it, so this is how bad their time-wasting was. I don't really tweet when I'm at the game. Hmm. But there were so many long gaps. The uh, the <laughs> incident with Huang in the first half on the on the, on the touchline yeah. was... I'd, I'd like again. I was watching this on a ro- on a low resolution stream, and I was looking, going, "This is pathetic." Yeah, he, is, no, he hasn't got within an arse's roar of his face. No, they were, but they were just as dreadful for this last year, weren't they? they yeah, they I'm were growing to appe- very much it, dislike wolves. Yeah, yeah. It appears they were terrible for it under Nuno, and Bruno Lage has made them worse. Ah, uh, honestly, but, it's. It's so frustrating, and I, and I, I can't ever envisage. And I, I'm saying this as a football coach. I can't ever envisage going right, lads. I, I'm all for a bit of gamesmanship. I'm all for Mateus click levels of you want the ball here, come get it. It's up here, come get it. But Christ, lads, just. just I mean, get you up. do you do you do that all the time with the eight year olds, don't you? Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> that's just asserting dominance. <laughs> when you lads can get the football, you are in charge. Until then, <laughs> you've got to listen to me. Um, but God, it was it was so annoying. And then I, I, do, I do think my, my clip of the day is um, the smile on Archie Gray's face as, as Large and, 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 uh, and Marsh go past him at the full time. And there's just him just smiling. Yeah, because Large's line was, uh, he said, he said something that, in my view, you cannot say, which is, there is a brief bit of your brain that makes you panic when you hear that sentence. Mm. But because he didn't actually complain about it officially, you're like, okay, so it's not actually something you shouldn't say. Ah, oh, it's called him a cheat, hasn't it? Yeah, and that's everyone's prevailing theory because it happened exactly when Huang did that dive. Yeah, everyone is right in front. Because the best part is Jesse Marsh has stood. Ooh, two yards away, and you just see his arm go, come on now. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he has called him a cheating bastard, he? or something like that. <laughs> and and I would say that we will ne- we will probably never find out exactly what he said, but if that is what he said, he could go public with it, because there is such a thing as a fair comment defence. Yeah. Uh, and that is a fair comment. Um, so, yeah, the, the night before this, 
Um, the 21s beat Derby 5-2. Um, Derby did not have the best team out, as was put quite in a few places on Twitter, which is why I backed Leeds minus one, Leeds minus two, Leeds minus three. And everything except the minus three landed. Uh, fact, and should have been more, but Leeds did the thing they did against Cagliari and had a bad five minutes and conceded two goals. But the, uh, the story out of it, really, is Matteo Joseph, first game of the season, playing up front. By the accounts of people who were there, because obviously it wasn't on live because there was a the Arsenal game at the same time. People who were there live, and you can always tell from highlights, and you never have a bad game in this situation. Four goals. The first one was excellent. First one was a really good finish. And uh, Sonny Perkins got the other, and it's good to see him have a solid start. Because he probably, in terms of his where he is in his development, would already, in theory, be quite close to the first team. But because he didn't sign till quite late, I'm assuming he'll be a bit behind on fitness. Mm. They were uh, they were led by little Dan James as well. Yeah, little Dan James going down there to be captain. And obviously that makes all the sense in the world with him being suspended for the first game. But it was nice to hear that apparently it was his idea. You know, yeah. I should go down and play with the twin. And I mean, there's no reason not to. It's just an extra preseason game for him, isn't it? Really, but yeah, yeah, a five-two win, top of the league. That's what you want to see for the start, because top of top of the uh, Premier League two. What? Well, I don't know. What is it now? Are we Premier League? Premier two? League two, Division two. Yeah, um, top of that, Europa Conference League place secured. Yeah, stop the count. Yeah, we're, in we're, theory, we're good here. Like in theory, we should be in with a shout of winning this league because our twenty three side last year, if they wouldn't have all been in the first team, would have been one of the better sides in that division, and they get yeah. relegated because none of the players were available all season. So, although obviously there'll be no Greenwood, no Gellart, no drama because he was Archie Gray involved. Archie Gray did play in this. He was on the bench yeah. for, for the first team as well, but he did play in this. I don't folly, know. It's the folly of youth. You can just play football every day. Yeah. Um, there was, But it was just great to see. And Matteo Joseph, it'll be interesting to see if he plays, if he gets any minutes in the League Cup game. Mm. I, he, I would doubt it. He might, he might get on the bench, I suppose, yeah. but... Oh, I, I, well, I don't I think he'll start because I think Gellhart will start. Yeah, he... so I suppose when you've got sort of Gellhart, Greenwood, Dan James, you know, all recognised strikers. Um, I know you're joking, but just uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was going to put Rodrigo on, but now I'm pretty happy with his start. So uh, he's he's getting a stay of execution at the moment from the jokes. Um, but yeah, like he, I'd imagine. It's Gellhart that starts those games. Him or Enketia, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, good start. So, um, the as far as I'm aware, the, well, actually, shit, I forgot about that. That was earlier today. Um, the unfortunate news that, and you have to be careful with the way you say this because when it's Leeds, it sounds weird. But uh, Neil Warnock's assistant manager at Leeds, Mick Jones. Uh, yes. Passed away earlier today. Uh, obviously, in Leeds circles, the, when you hear Mick Jones, you're not that Mick Jones. Your brain goes elsewhere. But obviously, like, look, I won't pretend in terms of the Leeds stuff, I didn't like Warnock's time in charge, but it's a shame. Yeah. Uh, and he had, a, you know, there's there's a lot of places, but like, it's, it's a big loss in terms of football. At Leeds, it didn't go well, but they were very successful together. At several, like, because they were at Sheffield United for a promotion, they were at Palace for one. They, uh, they were together. At, they, I think they separated for a while, didn't they? And, yeah, and they were back together. At, they were they were together at QPR. I think it was when like they Cuff went and up. Taylor. Yeah. So, like, you know, been very successful. He did have a decent managerial career of his own, but it's too early for us to really remember it. Hmm. And the bit of his career that I'd be most interested in is he had four years as manager of Brunei. No. Which you know is interesting. <laughs> um, it's it's, yeah, it's so, an interesting job to take, I imagine. It's, it's up there with when I was reminded earlier today that Harry Redknapp managed Shorten for a while. Yeah, and I always thought that she'd have more than the normal PR <laughs> agent 
Like, well, I've got nothing for that. No. Um, and speaking of getting, and speaking of nothing, Leeds have signed someone for nothing. Uh, Joel Robles. Who uh, I, I I heard it best described today as former Spanish under twenty one goalkeeper. How old is he now? Thirty three. I, I not, believe he's 33. He, he's not young. I, I think we have to leave the under-21s thing alone now. Oh, we're doing him a disservice. He's 32. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Joel. Um, yeah. Hey, I, if I, someone called me 33, I'd be annoyed. Um, yeah. Um, it, we needed an experienced goalkeeper, and he is an experienced goalkeeper. Yeah. Hasn't played... A ridiculous amount of games because he's had a lot of second choice stuff. But you know, he played fifty six league games for for Betis in the last four years. So it's not like he's just sat on the bench and done nothing. He's played yeah. a decent number of games. When he was at Everton, forty two league games in five years. Again, that's it's more not, than most nothing. number twos. Yeah, and obviously when he had his loan at Wigan, it was only nine league games, but he played in and won the FA Cup. Um, so yeah. The only the main story out of this really is does Classen go out on loan or not? I assume he does now. Um, if there, if, if there is a loan available at a club who will play him every week, and when you're a goalkeeper, the level doesn't even matter that much. I wouldn't really care if it was a League Two side, if so long as they said he's going to start every week and we're going to play out from the back. Yeah. Um... He, he just needs the game time, doesn't he? At this point, if it's yeah. if it because at, at best he he will be on the bench if Robles starts, but you know he, even if he got injured, realistically, it's it's probably only give me a couple of games unless you know one goalkeeper getting injured. That's a, that you know it's heard of, but two long term goalkeeper injuries. I'd, I'd like, like to, to see, see that. that. Um, no, and the other thing, obviously, if we send Klassen out on loan, is you need a recall clause in January in case Melier has got injured. Yeah, um, just just so that we don't have to sign Neville Southall on a free transfer. Yeah. No, no, ours is uh, Kevin Pressman. Oh, God. Yeah. Jason Brown. Probably Jason Brown now. Because he was... No, no, he was no. He was not a slim man when he was playing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, solid. It's one of it's probably the least controversial lead signing ever, because everyone has just gone, yeah, right. cool. No one's happy. No one's uh, sad. Everyone <laughs> just the reaction. Huh? It wasn't Ben Foster. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No. So no. Uh, no YouTube vlogs, but you know, I'd end up actually having to watch if he played for Leeds. Oh, Christ. It's a terrible version of being the elite. Hearing Ben, <laughs> sorry, I've got some things in my head. Ben Foster stepping off the coach and super kicking the driver. <laughs> no, him and Melier together, obviously, super kick yeah. party. Um, now, uh, like it's going to be intimidating. It's Robles; he's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like I say, it's just what we needed. Yep. So, uh, on to next weekend, because... Um, I was going to say, before we go on to that, do you want to talk about the Kania and Radrizani interviews? Oh, yeah. Um, well, to be honest... There's I, a lot happened in the build-up to that game. Yeah, I haven't watched the entire Radrizani interview yet, because it, it's just... Uh, the Phil Hay Show has just released it as their, like, as an extra podcast, the full thing. But from I did read the write-up of it and I saw like the ten minute video that they put out. Most of it was completely reasonable. Mm. I don't really have any problem with the vast majority of things he said. Every now and then he says a very silly thing, saying it is impossible that we'll that we'll get relegated. That was a stupid thing to say. Objectively, even in your second language, that is a really stupid thing to say. I, I feel like that comment was is the interview equivalent of him just putting Adam Forshaw. Yeah, it, with the it sunglasses grabbed, emoji, like it grabbed all of the headlines that won 
basically offhand. It wasn't quite offhand's probably a bit mm. too nice to him. But yeah, that was the main takeaway that he just said something. But the rest of it, I thought was fairly reasonable to be honest. And Kinnear on the square ball again, I thought for the most part it was fine. But there was a couple of times where he got challenged on something, and I did, and because I thought Dan Moylan did a very good job. Hmm. Uh, he was challenged on things, and he just sort of his answer was a little bit wishy washy on a few things, but. You're never going to get what you really want to hear out of because even when they're talking to each other, they're probably not just going, "Yeah, that's crap." And the stuff, the thing I have sympathy with them on is the ticket stuff because until the stadium's bigger, you, there is no well, actual. Well, that, that, that's it. I mean, we, one, we already have the, the the waiting list for for season tickets, and if you make the memberships cheaper. Like you said, you've got more people will buy them, meaning more people are competing for the tickets. So it is a supply and demand price, I imagine. I mean, for what it's worth, I do think that the memberships are too much money. But mm. if you own a business, you will sell them. You'll sell them if for 50 quid, you'll sell them if for 70. So if you're running a business, you're going to price them at 70. Yeah. You know, it's there like... As much as that sucks and isn't very nice, there was. I think the the one thing, and, and I I didn't pick up on this in the interview, but there was the way a few people were saying that he described Bielsa as being bigger than the club. Uh when I listened to that, he did say that, but it wasn't. I don't. It wasn't. I don't think he was trying to say Bielsa saw himself like that. Mm. Um, it was just. Because we tailored everything so much into Bielsa, yeah, that sort of the way the club was structured was more a Bielsa structure than a Leeds United structure, yeah. which I don't think is an unfair comment. I just think he, I think he could have phrased it better. But when I first, well, I heard that as mm. well, but it didn't. I don't think that it, it it came off slightly worse than he meant it. I think. Yeah, and I, th- I think ultimately, like when you hire Bielsa, the, the whole. His whole thing is this is this is how we do it. We do it my way, and I don't even think it's an, an arrogance as such. It's just this, this is how I want things done. If you want to get the best results from this, this is how we do it. Um, and and you know, anyone who's done the the re- who done the research into it before would would know that anyway. You know, obviously the eccentricities of having to have the plugs reinstalled at the training ground would being one of the better examples of it, but um, no, I, I, I never thought at any point there was disparaging comments about Bielsa or his his control of the club. Uh, and like when they were saying, you know, they asked him like, "Is he hard to work with?" And he said, "Yeah, but that's because he is." Yeah, I I love I. We may all love him, and I especially do. But like, he is. He would be. A, it would be a nightmare to work with. Oh, it, just, I think, I think he, it was just worth it. <laughs> when he was talking about the Paul Club secretary just trying to say, no, you need to sign this, please. You need a visa and things. We just yeah, please just please sign the contract. It will make my job easier. Yeah. It's like, uh, no, I have seven more I have seven more videos to watch yet. Like, oh for God's sake. Yeah. The main negative I took out of it was that and it's sense I know that it's sensible to be non-committal in public when it comes to signings. And I'm not even, because he sort of said once we didn't get to Ketelara, he made it sound like we're probably not getting a striker full stop. Although he didn't say that, that's what he made it sound like. Hmm. But he also made it sound like we might not be getting a left back, and that I'm not okay with. (laughs) Um, I still, I've said it a million times, if it's true that Che Adams is available for like 9, 10 million to be the backup striker... I'm fine I don't with that. think there, I don't think there's a clearer sign that Che Adams is available than him not playing at the weekend and Southampton started with two strikers, neither of whom are strikers. Yeah, yeah, they played like Armstrong up front, didn't they? Yeah. Not Adam, Stewart. Mm. <laughs> Adam is a striker. <laughs> yeah. Um and I just and and look, I 
again, go, going back to these interviews, I fully agree with with the principle that long term the the focus should be on. Oh no, it down. was Adam. It it was Adam Armstrong. Oh, was it Adam Armstrong? But then Stuart Armstrong came on for him. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I was. I was this has got Chris Samba playing up front vibes about it. All of a sudden, yeah. just um, no. That that's when Jan Bednarek is up front. Um, but yeah, like I I understand long term. If you're Leeds, you don't want to block the pathway for for Gelhart getting minutes and things like that, and and it is probably quite a tough line to to tread in. We definitely need a, another striker, but we don't want that person to come in and potentially take away minutes from from Joe Gelhart. Um, whether Che Adams would be interested in coming in from Southampton, where all right, he's he's not wanted, but he has you know he's he's played a bit the last sort of eighteen months to come in and be a backup for us would be another question. You see, I, I think that he probably would. Hmm. Because I think it's probably easier to convince players now that there's five subs. Yeah. Because you can probably go, look, Bamford is the main striker, but you will be on the bench every week at the least. And you'll probably get on in most games. And win and Bamford was injured a lot last season, so he ain't gonna start every game this season either. Yeah. And you know, if it's actually gonna be Gellart that plays, then you just don't really talk about that win very much. No. Um but no, we uh as I said, I thought both interviews they weren't there was nothing groundbreaking in them. There was nothing that made me there's nothing that made me want to kill it. The 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 most annoying thing that I found was when they said, you know, there was like three percent of season tickets that weren't renewed, and that an incredibly low number of them actually went to people on the waiting list. Mm. And although there was justifiable reasons, you know, we lost a few seats for some media stuff, we lost a few seats for a couple of other things. I I think that they need to be a bit more transparent with that waiting list. Like, for instance, they won't tell anyone how far up or down it they are. Yeah. Uh, I think you should be able to find that out. You should be allowed to know that. Which is funny because you, you then get the it's kind of the opposite. Do you know, by one. the way, just because I haven't checked, do you have to pay every year to stay on it? I believe so, but I think it's I quite... hope not. <laughs> How much? It's not expensive, I don't think. Uh, even so, but like even if it's only ten a year, I don't really like it. I think, I think my mum mentioned when she looked at it that it was uh, that it was ten pounds, but I'd have to double check that. Yeah, because I know that you had to pay to get on it. But I mean, that's the thing I, I know from experience. Looking at oh, it is of, it is a tenner. I found it. Yeah, um, I, I know from experience looking at Portland Timber season tickets when I was so naive, thinking, "Oh yeah, it's an MLS team. You can just walk in and buy a season ticket." No, they've they've got the several year wait for season tickets, and. Yeah, it's a it's an annual fee that you pay for it. Yeah. Um, so like, but yeah, I but it was I I wasn't pleased that like I mean what what is a twenty even if it was say so that three percent so what like six hundred tickets weren't renewed. Mm. Like you would hope that the first five hundred people on that list gone, but by the sounds of it, it was like a hundred. Hundred and fifty. Yeah, it sounded like it was a lot lower than you would hope. It, which that was probably my biggest actual ah, that's bullshit. That that I got in the whole thing. It's just quite funny because you look at the the things he he was talking about, where he then referenced the like the loyalty schemes and and things like that, and, and how many fans sort of fell into those groups when they were coming up with the parameters for like the away. Tickets attend away games attended and things like that. Where you, I, I, have, I have no reason to, you know, think Angus Kinnear is particularly lying about these numbers. So what he's saying, oh, it won't that, be, it won't be because someone would, someone would know he was and it'd get out. Yeah. Um. So when he's talking about the number of of ticket, you know, season ticket or away season ticket holders that applied to, um, 
then yeah, it's 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 quite interesting, like the the, the little bits of information that you you got from that. Yeah, like um, what was it the uh, the number when you first brought it in? The number of people who had been to eighty percent of away games for the last five years was like seven hundred. Hmm. So they were the big priority group. Which the thing is, one that's actually when you think where we were at that time, that's actually a really big number. Yeah, it just doesn't sound it. But the reason it doesn't sound it is because if you believe Twitter, you'd think that there were five thousand people who'd barely who'd not missed an away game in the championship. Well, I, I, I had this conversation the other day as well. Like the one one of the reasons I I don't complain a lot about the issues getting tickets and stuff like that. You know, obviously I don't have a season ticket now. Technically I do, but actually I don't have a season ticket. Dude. That'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Christian Lawley attends every home game. Yeah. It's fine. Um but you know I, I was going week in, week out in League One and during the championship. And then for reasons could not attend. No, well, you were in America. Period. You were in America yeah. for several years. Oh well, there was probably a year or two before that as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, being in America, couldn't go to games. wasn't worth it. I, you know, I'm not going to complain now that I can't get a ticket because th- those were the circumstances that has changed now. Lots of people want to go. There are definitely though, as much as any any time someone makes complaint and say, ah, well. You know, either due to finances at the time or due to a work situation. There is only so many people who, when we were in League One, weren't able to attend for what for a certain reason. I would say about 80% of the people who go regular well, no, not 80%, but the people who started attending in the last five years probably could have gone to the League One games and chose not to. And did, did chose not to go to the, you know. The, the Ken Bates era at the well, back it's, end it's, of the Neil Warnock. And I mean, it's a mathematical certainty that there are people in that group that, who... That there are absolutely people who went, oh, Leeds are good now, I'm going to go. And there's no wrong with that either. Like, that's, abs- that's what every club's like. Hmm. <laughs> it's fine. This is why I want us to go back to League One, Jack. It's purer. <laughs> you know, that's abs- it's absolutely fine, but you would believe that they don't exist. Hmm. Uh and, you know, so it does make it a right to try to get away tickets. But I didn't even try to get away tickets for Southampton. So it's a bit of a pain trying to get home tickets. Yeah. Because uh, um, Southampton is really far. Yeah, it's a long way away. <laughs> I'm also working that day, but I probably could have got it off work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they had a... I mean, they were playing a side that, in theory, should be decent, even though I feel like they might drop off a bit this year for no apparent reason. Uh, lost 4 1 on the opening day to Spurs. Spurs being incredibly Conte about it with like an own goal, a goal from a centre back, a goal from a wing back, the other one set up by a wing back. Very, um, very Conte. Uh, Southampton are interesting this year. And the, because they've basically gone all out with youth, like they've bought that Romeo Lavia, uh, Joe Aribo played up top, Bazunu in goal. They've, um, they've gone for a young side with very, very little ex- experience when they weren't particularly good last year. And, I mean, I think that if you went through everyone's predictions like across the board, I think more people had them in the bottom three than didn't. Yeah, that, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just looking at their team now from, from the weekend. Yeah, and I don't think they they played five at the back against Spurs. I don't think they'll do that against us. I think they'll play basically four triple two against us. Yeah, um, it's, it's that thing of they certainly have they they do have experienced Premier League players in there at this point, but I think it's kind of like I spoke about with with us for a period in that some of the some of the players that have left the the plugging those gaps with with younger players and there's going to be a bigger gap now in that those 23 to 28 year olds mm. I think in there and, and you know th- there are still some of those players they obviously you've got James Ward-Prowse um, Robbie who's at 45 
to look at, but I assume is somewhat younger than that. Um, but I feel like when you've had the two seasons they've had, you then and to then throw in a lot of nineteen to twenty-two year olds with not an awful lot of experience at this level to then probably be scrapping around in the bottom six or seven in the table is going to be a big ask of some of those players. Yeah. Like, um, it'll be an odd thing because obviously I think they'll go to a back four. So probably Jan Valerie will drop out. And you'll have Walker Peters right back, Bedner X Salasu. And I don't know, maybe they'll start Roman Perro at left back, maybe. Just looking at this and who might play there. They might even play Salasu at left back and leave them. Um, play that that uh, Kotchak for centre-back for about. Uh, holding mids, you would, I'd think they'll probably drop that later of the year and play Ward-Prowse Ward, and Romeo. Hmm. And then, like, maybe Arebo and Stuart Armstrong as the second and two in 4 2 and then, like... Oh, no, actually, I think Arebo will probably stay up front because they'll probably bring in uh, Nathan Redmond to play one of those two roles. But yeah, it'll be back to a more normal Southampton team, you'd think. Actually pressing, trying to get for quickly. It's why I think it'll be an incredibly scrappy game. Because both teams are going to be playing the same sort of football. I mean, they weren't good games last season. No. I mean, we were god-awful at their place last year when it was oh, Phillips yeah. and Rafinha were both out. And it looked like the rest of the team had never met each other before. And we only yeah. lost 1-0. Yeah, and it should have been way more, shouldn't it? <laughs> oh, God. And then we drew, didn't we draw one all at Ellen Road, but we massively outplayed him and James Ward-Prowse scored a free kick. Yeah. Yeah. It was around the time of the Newcastle game as well, because we had both of them that were games that we should have won and didn't. I think so, um, yeah, I think the home game was under Marsh, if I remember yeah. rightly, because um, that was one of the results. That was one of those games where those that were against the damn Yankee coming here. It's like, oh, well, you got to be beating Southampton. It's like, yeah. Marcelo Bielsa it, didn't. It was a bit overly negative about it, wasn't it? Because if it, it had the feel of a game where if we'd have gone for it, we'd have won. Is that the one where I think I think after at full time he was sort of pumping the fists to the crowd at the end of that one, and we were all like, oh, Jesse, this isn't the result you think it is, pal. Yeah. But... Um, he had a couple of them because he was a bit like that after Man City game when we when we got beat. <laughs> he um, saw some good things from that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not. I've, I'm fair. I'm fairly confident that they'll switch back to the normal formation. But at this stage of the season, it's quite hard to decide on a lineup for them. They, other than James Ward-Prowse's set pieces, is there anything that particularly scares you about them? If he plays, Nathan Redmond is quick. So yeah. again, there's the, there's the possibility of that out ball in behind Pascal Strauch. Um They've got a couple of players that can also do things like that, but they're very they don't always play well. But like Gineppo and Elianusi are both quite good on the day. Hmm. Uh, but there wouldn't be people I'd be scared of. To be honest, if I don't think they'll play him by the sounds of it. But up against Diego Llorente, I'd be worried about Che Adams. Like, <laughs> I think he'd probably be able to bully him. Yeah. I'm just, again, just looking at their game from that. Did, um, that's the wrong game, Villarreal. Uh, where are we? There we are. Sorry, just doing this on the fly now. Um, yeah, well, Kyle, like Kyle Walker Peters is a good player. Yeah, he is a good player, and he gave us. In fact, if they play a four, because he did this uh, in the game last season, it might be uh, Jan Valerie stays in at right back and Walker Peters plays left back because Walker Peters played really well at left back against mm. us. He kept basically turning into Leo Messi and just like dribbling past it. That's how they got the free kick. Um, but yeah, they were. They they should be solid enough, but 
like nothing. It's definitely a winnable game, even away from home. Um, do you think Leeds will change the team at all? No. Um, I imagine. To be honest, if they, if the, we'll, we will all probably go for triple two, I imagine. So, um, no, I think we stay the same. Yeah, I, I say the ma- subs bench might change by a little bit because the twenty ones won't have a game the night before. So maybe JB is on instead of Archie Gray. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it's quite funny for for all the talk of of how we we've strengthened, and and I know some of the players on the bench have got a bit more experience. But it was, again, a lot of young players and Mateus Click on the bench <laughs> for, for all the, the talk of strengthening. But I suppose Hello, hello my a, fellow children. But I suppose there is a massive difference between having Gellart and Greenwood on the bench in August 2022 and the same in August 2021. Yeah, it's... Um... And, and to be honest, even... Even Somerville, same bit. I mean, obviously, he got on... Him and Gellart didn't come on well late and they barely touched the ball. They were just chasing people for the last five minutes. But when they came on, there was nothing in the stand. There's no longer the, oh, here come the kids. It's, oh, here come two players. I mean, even now, like Archie Gray is, is there on merit. It's not a, Christ, we've run out of bodies, you know, get the kid on the bench. Like, he's there because he is part of the first team squad. He has played, I, I know it's, pre-season, but he's played with the first team now. It's not a case of well, we just needed someone. Mm. So you're not as worried now when you see that really young bench. I mean, there were times last season where you you were looking at Cody Drama and going, Mm. yeah, he's been good in the 23s, but he's not had a senior game. Now it's Cody Drama who had a really good second half of the season in the Championship last season. Cardiff Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, Fans Player of the Year. Yeah, it's, international it's not, fans player of the year. Yeah, it's All just not the fans. same. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah. The uh the so we've got basically we'll do just we'll do just your prediction first because with the podcast being a bit of a rush, I dare say that you haven't yet checked for a bet. Uh literally doing it now. Yeah, because uh I mean I'm running a little bit behind this time just because my uh the laptop got updated, and as a result of the update, the camera would not work, no matter what. I mean, for what it's worth, like Southampton are decent sized five foot game. They're five to four. We're two to one. Yeah. Which you know, with it being an away, with it being an away game, that's fair enough. But I, I don't think that we're quite as big as that. Um. Uh, and I'll just say now that my my prediction for the game itself, uh, I am going to go for a one-all draw. Uh, Which away from away from home, I don't think is a bad result. I am going to go for. Uh, I'm going to go for your regular bet and go for a three-one win. Uh, for you just score prediction 3 1 1. Yes. Yeah. And then for your thing that you're going to have your imaginary, or in the case of me last week, real tenor on. And I'll be honest, it wasn't even a tenor. Once I won that money on the under 21s, I ended up having 30 quid on it because I thought it was a rate bet. And I still think if it had played 90 minutes, it'd have got booked. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's have a look now. I am gonna go. Who's on this list? I'm looking at the assist market here. Um, that was really weird. So was I. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna play it safe here and go. Uh, Jack Harrison, anytime assist at ninety-two. Oh, that's not bad. I'll move my note. Harrison, assist ninety-two. This one is, I mean, don't wrong. If Mark, if Mark Rocker ends up being like three to one or bigger to get a card, I will end up backing it again. But uh, for this one, I'm going to go with something a little bit, in fact, quite a lot tamer. 
um, just because I just think that the prize is about right. Like, I don't, even though I think it'll be a draw, I don't think we're as big as two to one to win this game. Mm. So I'm just seeing if there is a derivative of that that I think makes makes sense. Um, so because there's no point having a really boring bet, you might as well if you're going to go for it, you might as well go for it. So yeah, I am going to take uh, Leeds to win and Jack Harrison to score, which is currently on Skybet at fifteen to two. So Harrison anytime Leeds win fifteen to two. Because uh, it seems to be just getting into good positions. Yeah, I, I was just thinking then once I once I picked that, I wonder how many Jack Harrison related bets I'm going to pick this season. A lot. I was amazed that you didn't last week, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, well, that will bring us to the end. But there is one question from Jack Field before we go, which is: Is KC ready to unleash Prime Viduka tomorrow night? Uh. I'm I'm gonna unleash my inner Richard Naylor in that I will either be playing as a striker or as a defender. It just depends yeah. how tired I am and what part of the pitch I'm on at any given moment. Yeah, yeah. Or Jan Mulby midfield, just stood still. Yeah, just pinging passes. In theory, out wide, most likely out of play. Yeah. So yeah, we will be back after the Southampton game normally. I think if if it works out with timing, I would prefer us to do like one for, in terms of this week, like one for Wolves and then do one for Southampton later in the week. But this week is just really busy. So there was no chance of that happening. So unless you've got to add KC, I think we're done. Uh, I'm just checking Twitter because after last week's oh, podcast, yeah, Joel yeah. Robles was basically, uh, became public knowledge. I think it was about five minutes from the end of, uh, yeah. and the end of that. Um, no, I think we're all good. Um, Helder Costa's gone out on loan, but we don't really need to discuss that. Oh, god, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Helder Costa's ah. gone to Ali Tihad, and it's going to become permanent at the end. Helder Costa gets slightly more stick than he deserves from Leeds fans, but I'm also glad he's gone. He was part of the team that took us out of the championship. Good lad, Helder. Enjoy, yeah. enjoy. I hope that you make lots of money. So, yeah, I've been Jack's here. I've been Casey. Have a good one in a bit.